Good morning, Fellowship family. I'm so glad that you're here this last day of the year. Uh, I'm so happy to see you. And this morning we're starting a new series. It's called Life's Healing Choices, and it's all about finding hope and healing uh, from our hurts, our wounds, our habits, and our hangups. Uh, so, and so because of that, I'm going to introduce myself with my CR introduction. So I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with lust and resentment and childhood trauma, and my name's Jimmy. And I love to introduce myself that way, and the reason is it's a great equalizer. We're all on a level playing field here this morning. If you're here this morning, you are a beloved child of God. God loves you, he cares about you, you're his child. And if you're here this morning, I know like me that you have struggles you have wounds, you have patterns of sin, you have things that keep you from living in the abundance that God has offered us in Jesus Christ, but he loves us. And the good news this morning is we have a God who fights for us and that he already won the victory and that's worth celebrating this morning. So would you stand with me and let's sing this together. Last darkness, hope that's in the blood, this future grace that's mine today, that Jesus Christ has won, so I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands, and all I need will provide just like you always said. Sing this out with me. I'm fighting a battle you've already won no matter what comes my way I will We will be with you 
Tokyo, Japan, outside the train station that's closest to our house. It's been about two years since we left Fellowship to come to Japan, but we wanted to let you know that we'll be in Fayetteville for most of the month of January, and we would love to see you while we're there. We'd love to have the opportunity to tell you more about what we've been doing over these last couple years with Mustard Seed Network. Um, you can catch us in the connection booth between services until the 21st, or we will also be in the classroom on January 7th, where we'll be doing a presentation sharing about what, um, what we've been doing with the Mustard Seed Network and how you can be a part of supporting the ministry happening here. We'd love to see you while we're there, so please stop by and meet us in the foyer, or come by the classroom on the 7th, or reach out to us if you'd like to connect further. Thank you so much for the ways that you've supported us while we've been here in Japan. So I'm sure a lot of you guys know Kyle and Elise McCarthy. They're global workers in Japan. Uh, and you might not know that Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world. So they're doing amazing work with Mustard Seed Network. It's a church planting network in Tokyo. And uh, they're going to be here uh, on the 7th, and they're going to share more about what they're doing. If you're interested, if you know them and you'd love to see them, I really want to see Yuna. Uh, the bear costume got me. So I think that's the big draw, probably. If you want to meet Yuna, she's going to be here too. So uh, they would love to see you, get to know you, and, and tell you more about what they're doing in Japan. So uh, the other thing I wanted to share with you guys uh, is we have Discover Fellowship coming up. Uh, you can click on the QR code. Discover Fellowship is a way for you to get to know more about our church, our, the way that we do things, our philosophy of ministry, our mission and vision. There's a couple of sessions that we'll meet right over here in the classroom, and then there'll be a few sessions that meet in homes, like a small group experience. So if you guys are interested in uh, learning more about fellowship or becoming a member of fellowship, this is where you get started. So you can click that QR code, or you can talk to somebody at the community booth in the back after the service. And then I also wanted to share with you that starting January 21st, we're adding a third service. So you may have heard this already. Uh, it's a, we've, we've had this problem of overcrowding, which is a great problem to have. There have been people standing on the walls or sitting out in the foyer. So we're trying to make more space for people to come and worship and hear the good news about Jesus. So that's why we're adding this third service. It's gonna be at 7.45, starting January 21st. We're gonna run it from January 21st through March 10th. And during that early service, we'll only have early childhood rooms open. There won't be FSM, there won't be elementary age uh, services. So I'm excited about it, I hope you are too. And I wanna make space for people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. So that's why we're doing this. Finally, tonight, if you're looking for a place to celebrate New Year's Eve, 
that's safe and is gonna encourage you. Tonight, CR is having their uh, New Year's Eve celebration in the FSM room. There'll be games, there'll be food, starting at eight o'clock, so you can come here. It's a, it's a safe place, it's a fun place, uh, and it's a great place to celebrate New Year's Eve. And I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're gonna sing some more and, and worship our God who is worthy of our praise. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity this last day of the year to come and, and recognize who you are, recognize who we are, and celebrate all the things that you've done for us. And you are faithful, you are good, you've seen us through another year, and you always will be faithful. We love you, we give you honor, we give you glory. We pray these things in your name. Would you stand with us as we sing?
faithfulness sustains what you begin. It hasn't always well. Your faithfulness keeps us in your hands. It hasn't always well. So we've been doing this for a year now where we remind each other that we are in need of a savior and that we have a savior in Jesus Christ, that God has sent his son to save us. So we remember this morning, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. If you have something on your heart that's heavy this morning that you've been carrying with you, just take a minute in the silence and just turn that over to Jesus. There is good news this morning. Church, believe the good news. Say this with me. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more.
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. You may have a seat. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Morning. Gosh, uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Andy Petrie, and I have the privilege of uh, being able to be on staff here leading our Celebrate Recovery ministry that meets here every Friday night. Uh, and I'm so excited to be here with you all as we celebrate the last Sunday of 2023, and it's just wild for me to say that and think that this really is the end of this year. And as I was thinking about just kind of our time this morning and what to share about, I started thinking about how every single one of us, at some point in our life, we come across these physical places that carry meaning in our life, places that become imbued with with these ideals in our heart. Maybe they're places that represent change and growth and, and maturity. Maybe they're places that represent challenge or, or hardship within our life. They're these places that mark inflection points in our life that we, we walk out of them differently than when we walked into them. For some of us, it may be the, the basketball or football stadium that you played at when you were in high school. Or maybe for some of us, it was the wedding venue or the church where we got married Maybe it's the hospital where you met your first child. For me, it's Marketplace Grill in Springdale. And not just because of the chocolate messes, not just because of the fresh, warm, buttery bread. It's a part of it. But the real reason why is because that place really has become to mean, come to mean a lot to me over the past couple years. And I'll tell you why. Uh, my wife and I's wedding anniversary falls in, in January. And one of our traditions every year is to go to uh, our favorite restaurant, the best restaurant in Northwest Arkansas, bar none, uh, Marketplace Grill. And we don't just go there to enjoy a meal, though. We, we go there with the intention of having some, some good, sometimes difficult conversation to reflect on what our last year of marriage looked like. We celebrate wins, like the fact that we got our daughter potty trained this year. Yes, that's worth celebrating. We, we point out goals that we've uh, achieved, things that we're seeing in each other that, that has grown. We also take time to grieve the losses and, and the things that didn't go so well. We give ourselves space to dream about what the next five years might look like. We, we then take some time to say, hey, what are some goals for this next year? It could be anything from research in grad school to painting the kitchen cabinets. But then I think my favorite and probably the most important question we ask each other is this. What do I feel like the Lord wants to change in me this next year? And is there anything that you're seeing in me? And now I'd be lying if I, if I said there was never any tense moments in those conversations sitting in the marketplace asking that question. 
honest, intentional reflection, when we bring somebody else into it, can get a little tense at times. But I've watched God use those conversations in the booths of of that restaurant to become a place of healing and dreaming and refining and growth, both in my marriage and in my own heart. And it's one of my favorite rhythms that my wife and I have. And so this morning, as we sit here on the edge of 2024, I wonder what it would be like for us today to ask some of those same questions of ourselves, to open up God's word, to honestly reflect on where we've been, dream about where we want to go, and and ask that same hard question of God, what do you want to change in my life as we head into this next year? So this morning, we're going to root our conversation in a passage that many of us may be familiar with. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And there's a ton that is jammed into this passage. And there's no way we're going to cover it all this morning. And so I just want us together just to make a few observations out of it to guide our conversation today. But a little background, if you're not familiar with this passage. uh, This passage comes right after Hebrews chapter 11, if you didn't know. Uh, And in that passage, the the writer gives us what many have called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's a description and an explanation of the faith and example of a lot of Old Testament saints. And then he starts off this section here encouraging followers of Jesus to run their life of faith well. The writer compares this life of faith to that of a race and you and I as runners on the track there. There's a crowd surrounding the field. A great cloud of witnesses surrounds us. It's most likely referring to those who came before us, but also probably the others that are running alongside us in this race. And then finally, there's a goal that we run towards. It's Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, our example, our encouragement, the one we seek to grow closer with throughout this life. And the writer encourages us to run this race with perseverance and endurance. But he tells us that in order to do that, we need to deal with a couple things. We're told to throw off two things, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I find these two phrases really insightful and interesting when it comes to explaining our own hearts. And I think the things that hold us back from running this race well. Uh, And I wanna start with that second phrase because I feel like it's a little bit more self-explanatory. The sin that so easily entangles. You see, when we don't deal with the sin issues within our life, it's always going to trip us up. Sin has a way of clinging to us and and entangling us in such a way that it makes it hard, sometimes near impossible, to step forward in any meaningful way, especially when we have a tendency to hide or deny or justify those things that are going on in our life. And You might be thinking about that. You might be looking at that, and and maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't think I have any overt sin issues going on in my life, and and, and maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have some sort of addiction to a substance or to images. Maybe you're not keeping any secrets right now. Maybe you're not dealing with any deep, obvious patterns of sinful behavior, but is there anything else weighing you down? Because sin isn't the only thing that can trip us up. When we look at that first phrase, everything that hinders, that's actually not necessarily referring to sin. In the Greek, it's a word that just means a burden, an encumbrance, a a weight. You see, there, there are things in our life that hold us back and keep us from moving this race the way that God intended for us. And I believe if we're honest with ourselves, really honest with ourselves, all of us have some of these things to some degree in our life. Oftentimes for me, I see it come up when I'm trying to struggle to manage and control something in my life. And it ends up dragging me down, keeping me from doing the things that I need to do. It could be hurts from a wound that we haven't known how to heal. Worries that maybe are consuming our thoughts. Maybe we're stuck playing the comparison game in our parenting. Maybe we're caught up in people-pleasing. Maybe we're walking around with some deep, ingrained lies about ourselves that have us wondering in our heart of hearts of, do I really have what it takes because of what I've done, what's been done to me? Am I really lovable? Could God really forgive somebody like me? 
If we're honest with ourselves, we've all got something. And so it's good to take an honest look at ourselves and ask, is there any sin tripping me up? Is there any burden that's weighing me down? In Celebrate Recovery, we we label those things as hurts, hang-ups, or habits. And when we refuse to acknowledge those, it always keeps us from moving forward and running this race well. And you know, it might be hard for us to even recognize and see what those things are. Every year around this time, our our Celebrate Recovery ministry does something called a Nail It to the Cross service, where we kind of ask these same questions and we we look through these these sin issues, these things that are weighing us down through through three different lenses. And we're, we're actually having that service this coming Friday. And so if you're not doing anything this coming Friday, we'd love to see you there. But the lenses that we look through, I think, are very similar to what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. They're the pain of the past, denial in the present, and fear of the future. And I would just encourage us, as we look at these, I want to invite you to stay curious to the possibility that maybe God might want to bring something to mind this morning that he's calling you to lean into. And I know we're going to touch on some things that might sting a little bit. It might feel like I'm poking you with a sharp stick today. And for that, I'm sorry. But I would encourage you, lean into that sting. Because in my experience, that's God's way of alerting us to something that needs his care and attention. So let's jump into this. First lens is the unresolved pain of our past. We live in a broken world with a bunch of other broken people and broken things happen to us. I'm not sure if you've noticed. (laughs) One thing that everyone in this room has in common is that all of us have experienced pain. It, It could be pain caused by natural things like a hard medical diagnosis, maybe the death of somebody close to us. Or maybe it's pain that was self-caused by our own poor choices, and maybe we're still dealing with the shame and the guilt of that. It could be pain that was caused by others. Maybe you've been betrayed. Uh, Maybe there's some really broken relationships in your life. Maybe somebody close to you has wounded you really deeply. Maybe it's a hard family secret. And I know in a room of this size, some of us have endured some deep, trauma that nobody should ever have to go through. And if that's you, if that's a part of your story, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. And I hope and pray that our church can be a a safe place to find healing and to point you towards some support in that. You know, this past year, I was reminded how quickly I can bury the pain in my life and try and keep moving forward. Uh, Working at a church, one of the things that I get asked to do a lot is to help people move whenever they buy a, a house or anything like that. And I just want to say right off the bat, I don't overtly dislike helping people move. But when you've done it as much as I have, uh, there develops a sense of desired efficiency whenever you're entering into those situations. And so when I'm helping somebody move, I'm not there for a social call. I'm there to get there and and, and get things done and, and, and get home. Let's get the work done. And in doing so, when I get in that mindset, for some reason, I always end up hurting myself. I either smack my shin on a trailer hitch or I stub my toe on a coffee table or inevitably one of two things happens when I'm moving a couch. I reach down underneath it, I cut my hand on a staple or I misjudge the ratio of the width of the couch to the door frame and I end up standing there walking backwards with my hand jammed in a door frame between the couch and the door frame. And I'm not saying I like it, I'm just saying it's just what happens. But here's what I never do. In those situations, I never stop and go, hey guys, can we pause? Does anybody have some ice? I hit my shin. Does somebody have a Band-Aid and some Neosporin? I cut my hand on a staple. No, I say jam the couch through the door. Let's get this thing done. And then I wake up three days later. My hand feels like it's broken and I'm going, how did this happen? And you know, I've had to realize that I think I do the same thing emotionally in my life as well. The past four years have been some of the most challenging in my life. I walked through COVID, all of us did, and it's still got some effect, whether we want to recognize it or not. But apart from that, I watched both my brothers get different forms of cancer. I've watched my dad battle an incurable degenerative disease. I uh, 
experienced some really deep hurt and betrayal from somebody I really trusted recently. But most of all, I've experienced the crippling inadequacy that comes with becoming a dad as my wife and I had two kids within 15 months. And that's just the big stuff. And while I think I handled it better than I would have in other seasons of my life, there were definitely some times where I just had to grit my teeth and, and, and power through. And I found myself at the beginning of this past year noticing some things coming up in my life that I just didn't like. I was resentful. I was angry and defensive. There were times where I was deeply depressed. Thankfully, I was able to recognize that. I was able to bring some people alongside me in it. And through digging into my process a little bit more at Celebrate Recovery, through Friday nights, through step studies, even going to counseling myself, I started to realize that I had wounds in my life that refused to heal because I wasn't allowing myself to go back and deal with the pain. When we ignore the wounds in our life, they never heal properly, and that always holds us back. But here's the good news in that place. No matter what pain we've got, whether it's pain that's caused by ourselves or pain and shame from things that have been done to us, God desires us to bring that to him. Healing happens when we can bring those things to him. And God gives us a beautiful promise in response to the pain and wounds of our life. Psalm 147, verse 3, it says this, and just take this in. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. It doesn't matter what you're holding on to, where you've been, what's been done to you. Time and again, God invites us to bring our burdens to him. And so I just humbly ask you this morning, is there any pain that you're holding on to? Second lens is the denial of the present. Denial is a word that we throw a lot, around a lot in the recovery world, and it just means this. It's the state we find ourselves in when we refuse to acknowledge that there are areas of our lives that need to change. And when we fall into that way of thinking, denial of the present issues will always prevent us from growing the way that God intends us to. <clears throat> and there's a lot of good reasons why we might find ourselves in that state. Simple pride is one of them. Maybe we could feel like it's a sign of weakness to need help in some aspect of our lives. Or maybe we could feel like nobody would ever be able to possibly relate to my struggles and, and because of that, there's no use stepping into what's going on currently because there's not a lot of hope for change. And as somebody who lived in denial for a long time, just take it from me, it's a terrible idea. You don't have to live that way. You see, the... The need for connection and support is one of the things that makes us human. All of us have some sort of limitations, which means all of us have some sort of weaknesses. If we need help, it just means that we're human. And there's also no such thing as being alone in our struggle. The truth is, is that no matter what you're facing, somebody understands, somebody in this room can relate to that. And you can find support moving forward. And so I'd encourage you, ask yourself a couple questions in this. First off, have I been ignoring an area of my life that's hurting me? Is there a relationship in my life that needs attention? Have I been choosing to run from my responsibilities and cope in harmful ways? Have I fallen back into an old struggle and been too afraid to admit it? Or do I notice some new struggles starting to emerge? As you look at those, consider this from Proverbs 14.8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Living in denial is a life lived in deception. But when we give thought to our ways, it allows us to live a life of integrity and truth, and that's what actually helps us to step in to freedom and hope. I couldn't change until I admitted that my dysfunction would never lead me to the life that God intended for me. That I won't find closeness with God through lust and images, through alcohol, through compulsive spending, through trying to garner the approval of others. That's not an easy thing to admit, but it's always worth it. We're only as sick as our secrets, and we can't heal if we choose to stay hidden. The third lens is this, fear of the future. Change can easily seem overwhelming because sometimes the familiarity of our struggles can, uh, can 
be comfortable because at least we know what to expect. When I decided to start working on my addictions in my life, I was terrified of what would happen. Who would I be if I didn't have my coping mechanisms? The future is hard to let go of because it means that we have to acknowledge that we're not in control. And the desire to control and try and manipulate outcomes, it only produces more pain and more frustration. And our worries are only subsided when we place our trust in the only one who does have control, our Heavenly Father. Earlier this fall, Clark talked, about, talked with us about uh, how God invites us to bring our anxiety and worry to him. In Philippians 4, where it says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the beautiful promise of that, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. One that's been really comforting for me is Colossians 1.17. That he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The future can be hard to release to God. Being a dad of two small kids, walking with my parents through health issues, and just my general insecurities that I carry with me, all of it brings up this fear and worry that maybe I'm just not enough, and it can lead me asking, God, can I really trust you? And time and again, God reminds me and reminds us through his word that he's holding my family together, he's holding me together, and he's holding our world together, and thank God for that. Pain of the past, denial in the present, fear of the future. How might they be entangling you? What weights, what struggles, what sins might God be nudging you to throw off this next year? Still with me? All right. Keep going. I'd encourage you to really consider that because here's the reality. We can't move forward without healing what holds us back. Take some time to really think about how God might want to grow and change you this next year. And I'm really excited. We have such a unique opportunity ahead of us as a church. As Jimmy said, as we kick off this next year, we're, we're going to be doing it through a series in the next few weeks that is built around some key principles to help us find healing through Jesus. They're the same principles that Celebrate Recovery is built upon. They're the same principles that have brought healing and change in my life and in my struggles and in the lives of many people in this room too. And I'm really excited for us to walk through it together. And as I've been thinking about this series and preparing for it, my my hope and prayer is this, is that it would give us permission as a church to address the things that might be holding us back that it would point us towards some tools and resources to help us out, like our Celebrate Recovery ministry here on Friday nights, like our counseling uh, that, that Ray and his team lead here, our community groups where we find Christ-centered community to walk alongside us in this journey. But ultimately, my prayer is that it would help us to deepen our understanding of the love of Jesus and what he's done for us, the way he sees us in our struggles. And now I know that that is a pretty bold prayer. And I also know that some of us in this room may be feeling a little nervous thinking about stepping into that. And trust me, I get it. There was a time where I was hired into recovery. I didn't choose it for myself. And let me let you off the hook. I think if you're feeling a little nervous, it just means that you're normal. It's going to stretch us. It's going to poke at us. But I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we could stay curious to the possibility that God really does want to change something in your heart and life over the coming weeks. Could it be the case that God really does want to help you let go of some of the things you've been holding on to? Some past pain, some current secrets, some future worry. Could it be remotely possible that there's something, even something seemingly small, that God might want to change in your life? Maybe not. But maybe. I believe he does have something for us. And I want to encourage us that as we 
boldly consider where we're going in the coming weeks and, and where God might be leading us in the next year to look at a couple more insights from Hebrews this morning about some things that we need to embrace if we're going to walk forward well, following hard after God. We need to embrace our brokenness, embrace vulnerability within community, and embrace hope. And so real quick, what do I mean by that? Embracing brokenness. The verbiage of that might seem a little weird for some of us in here, but all it means is that I've I've got to be honest with myself that there is something tripping me up. We've all got a sin nature. And because of the reality of sin, we are all broken people living in a broken world. There's an author and a pastor named Crawford Loritz that defines brokenness like this. He says that brokenness is a conscious core awareness that you need God in all things. A broken person has come to realize that he is nothing and can do nothing apart from God's presence and enabling power. A broken person has come to the end of himself, and I love this part, at least what he understands at the moment to be the end of himself. And Loritz would go on to talk about how brokenness is a key characteristic of a healthy and humble follower of Jesus. It's the realization that I need Jesus always and forever, that there's never going to be a day in my life where my strength alone is enough to muster up connection with God. It's, it's understanding and knowing that the rescue of the gospel is not a mile marker on my spiritual journey. It's the foundation that my entire life is built upon, that I never move past needing Jesus. In fact, one of the greatest pieces of the gospel is the reality that I am a broken person in need of a savior. And that every attempt to try and clean myself up or fix it doesn't work. That's what it means to be marked by sin. The Apostle Paul himself recognized this in his own heart in Romans chapter 7, where he says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. The Andy Petrie message version of that, I want to, but I can't. I'm a broken person living in a broken world, and my only hope is Jesus. And that's good news. And if I don't embrace that reality, I'm going to stay stuck. Second thing is to embrace vulnerability in the context of Christ-centered community. You know, we were never designed to follow Jesus alone. Our spiritual journey is a group project. It's interesting to think about how most of the epistles in the New Testament were written to churches, not individuals. And we see that represented here in the book of Hebrews, that we're called to do these things together. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let, this run we race is not an individual affair. It says, let us throw off the things holding us back. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Following Jesus is something that we do to, together in community. And it's hard for us to really do this well together if we feel like we got to keep hiding things from each other. And it's, it's scary to be open and honest. I, I get that. I spent 13 years of my life trying to make sure nobody knew the things that I was struggling with. And by the way, we want to try and help lead us there as a church from the stage here. Over the next couple weeks, you heard Jimmy do it just a couple minutes ago, but as staff and key leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville, we, we want to model vulnerability through introducing ourselves the way that we might at Celebrate Recovery. So you're going to hear some of us share some past struggles, maybe even current ways that God is, is changing our heart. And the hope is that we would know as a church that we're in this together. That there may be some of us that are a little bit further down the road than others, but we're all on the same road that it's okay that you don't have it together because the reality is that none of us have it together. And I feel like I'm at the front of the pack on that. And so if you'll let me right now, I'd like to introduce myself like I would at Celebrate Recovery. These introductions, they come in three parts. The first part is our position in our faith because as followers of Jesus, that is where our identity is found. It's not in our struggles, it's not in our shame, it's in Jesus. Then we just seek to be honest about naming some of the things that God is working in our heart right now. And then we got to call each other something, so it's our name. So I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and depression, grief, 
And I celebrate over seven years of freedom from a 13-year addiction of looking at lustful images on the internet. My name's Andy. Hey, y'all. The beautiful truth is that when we're willing to open up, be honest about the things that are holding us back, we can find the help that we need, and we can also realize that what we're carrying, we're not carrying alone. And then finally, and most importantly, and we'll end with this, we need to embrace the real hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus. As we run this race, we do so with our eyes on Jesus. Because if I'm trying to look anywhere else to draw my strength from, it's always going to let me down. Moving closer to Jesus is the goal because our only hope for change and healing is in him and the grace that he gives us. You see, he alone endured the cross. He went to be crucified knowing full well the weight of our brokenness and our sinfulness that we carry with us. He knew it all and still for the joy set before him, he died on that cross for us. When you get a chance today, take a look at Romans chapter five, verse eight and just think on that. And in doing so, he completely and fully dealt with the penalty of our brokenness. The work is done. Now he's seated with God. So our hope is secure. It's unshaking. It's why Paul could write in Philippians 1.6 that we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That finished work of Jesus has purchased for us a way to find new life in him that you and I could become new creations in him, find our new nature in him, that we could also not just step into eternal life with him when we die, but also into the hope of an abundant life with him in the here and now. And so we throw ourselves upon Jesus because he's the only hope that we got. We look to him alone for change. And in doing so, we give ourselves the audacity to hope and to trust that Jesus wasn't lying to us when he gave us this invitation in Matthew 11, where he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could it be the case that Jesus desires us to bring our burdens to him? that maybe he really does want us to cast off the, the weight we carry and the sin that's so easily entangled? Could it be true that when we throw ourselves upon Jesus and come to him, that this race that we run isn't exhausting, but it's actually life-giving? As we step into this next year, let's allow ourselves to ask what's holding us back. How might God be wanting to change us moving forward? And as we do so, let's challenge each other to be honest about the brokenness in our lives. Let's courageously invite each other into it. Let's fix our hope on Jesus because we can't move forward well without healing what holds us back. So let's go there and let's watch what Jesus does. Pray with me. God, we love you. God, we're grateful for the hope that you give us in Christ. We're grateful that no matter what we're carrying because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I, God, that there really is hope, that there's nothing that we could bring to you that's gonna cause you to step back and think differently about us, but Lord, you already know it and you're inviting us to bring it to you. And so, God, would you give us the courage to step forward? And, God, we worship you in this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he 
grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with effects from an eating disorder and control, and my name is Kelly. We're going to close today just saying this prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, 
not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. If you would like prayer, go through these doors on your right. If you would like to take communion, you can go through these doors on your left. We love you, fellowship. Y'all have a great week.